Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionists and dietitians from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We explain the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned for practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through real food nutrition. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We have a great show planned for you today. We are going to look at solutions, natural solutions for fibromyalgia. Do you or a family member have fibromyalgia? Well, this might come as a surprise to you, but fibromyalgia is one of the most common chronic pain disorders. Um, Fibromyalgia is one of the most common chronic pain problems. My name is Kara Carper, and I have a master's degree in holistic health, and I'm also a licensed nutritionist. So today, what we're going to discuss is some nutrition and lifestyle connections to fibromyalgia. We are going to give you solutions to help bring down your pain level. Typically, pain medication is not the answer. You know, a lot of people find that that actually is not effective or there's tons of side effects. So you really need to take charge of your symptoms and take charge of your health. And oftentimes you need to look deeper. We need to look for the root cause Mm -hmm. so that we can find a solution. And there are very many causes. So there's going to be a lot of solutions that we're going to talk about today. But the important thing, listeners, is ultimately you're in charge of your health. Not necessarily your doctor, not your personal trainer, not your massage therapist, not even your nutritionist, (laughs) but you are in charge of your health. So, and before we go any further, I need to introduce my wonderful co-host, Leah Wetzel. And Leah has a master's degree in clinical nutrition, and she also has the honor of being a member of the Minnesota Board of Dietetics and Nutrition Practice. She's got a super busy client schedule at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Great to be here it's with you again. It's great to be here with you today, Cara. It's always great to see your face in person. It's good to see you too. <laughs> I've missed you. Yes. And Leah, can you tell listeners, have you worked with clients who have fibromyalgia? Yes. I've worked with several clients with fibromyalgia. You know, fibromyalgia is a fairly com- it's fairly common, as Cara mentioned, It affects about 10 million adults in the U.S., which is approximately about 5 to 6% of the population. And did you know, Cara, that Lady Gaga has fibromyalgia? I remember, you know why I remember that is during the Super Bowl. Yeah. um, There was just a lot of talk about just Lady Gaga and, I mean, basically how amazing she is with her athletic abilities and her musical abilities and so I was reading up about her, yeah, and that's when I discovered that. She's a great performer. You know, she's up there doing all of whatever she can give to her yeah. shows, right? Yeah, but she has fibromyalgia. And really what, what had happened is it took her off the stage for several months. The positive takeaway from that is, is it made people more aware of the health condition of fibromyalgia. You know, because Lady Gaga is so fit, like you said, and she's strong, Many people are wondering, how could she possibly have a pain disorder? You know, between 75 and 90% of those diagnosed with fibromyalgia are women. 
but even too, children can get this pain condition mm-hmm. too. So the big question is, what causes fibromyalgia? That's a good question. You know, it isn't an autoimmune disease. It's not a disease like arthritis or lupus, but it occurs when the central nervous system doesn't process pain properly. So simply put, the central nervous system becomes overly sensitive or hypersensitive when people have fibromyalgia. So symptoms of fibromyalgia often will show up maybe after an illness, after an accident or an infection, even a stressful life event or a trauma. But symptoms can occur just kind of out of the blue as well. So it's thought that part of the brain related to the central nervous system changes. So, you know, maybe the brain perceives pain more intensely is what's happening. Right, right. And as the nutritionist, I look at the connection between food that you are eating and your nerves. If you have listened to this show for any length of time, you understand that high blood sugar levels can damage your nerves. So one perfect example of this connection between high blood sugar and nerve damage so that many people are now experiencing, you know, a common connection is called diabetic neuropathy. That is when you have tingling or burning pain or numbness in your nerves in your feet, in your legs, and loss of balance and stability, and when, and when walking as a result of elevated blood sugar. If high blood sugar damages nerves and causes inflammation in the brain, it certainly makes sense to reduce processed carbohydrates and sugars in your diet to reduce your blood sugar level. So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. two kind of Expanding on this a little bit, like what would be examples, would you say, of of these high processed carbohydrates that maybe would be linked to this nerve pain? Yeah, that's a great question because sometimes we use that term processed carbs and not everyone, people might not know what we're referring to. So processed carbohydrates are carbohydrates that turn really quickly into sugar in your body. So, you know, bread is an example. Yeah. Pasta. Pasta. Mm -hmm. Cereal. Especially, you know, cold that was my cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I mean, pre-nutritional weight and wellness. Right. You know, a lot of us were eating these processed carbs. Oh yeah, and I would say reflection back to my time of my life where I would eat cereal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. I had right. a lot of pain. I was, you know, definitely not fully classified as fibromyalgia, but mm-hmm. I had a lot. I was, you know, my late teens, early 20s, and I, I had a lot of pain in my hips and my hands and my knees. Yeah, I felt Which like you don't have baby. now. Right, yes. you've changed your eating. Cutting out that sugar and bringing mm-hmm. down my blood sugars, I have a lot less overall body pain. Sure, mm-hmm. because, you know, those high blood sugars lead to a lot of inflammation in the body. Exactly. And all those foods we just mentioned, crackers are another example, muffins, bagels, things like that. They turn into a lot of sugar, creating this inflammation and issues with the nerves. Too. Yeah, right. Exactly. So let's see, you know, where you might be getting too much sugar for the health of your nerves. We gave a few examples, yep. but are you getting too much sugar when you buy your large ice turtle mocha at the drive through of your favorite coffee shop? You know, when <laughs> I think of that, too, that's like a, you know, impulse buy, right? Your <laughs> afternoon, you probably had a busy, stressful day and you're like, I need, I deserve a treat. 
Right. right. I don't think a lot of people know how much sugar is hidden in some of those coffee drinks, right. though. Um, or maybe you make weekly trips to the store to get kind of your stash of candy for the weekend. But then you end up eating it all on Friday night. And if you're really addicted to sugar and candy, you might be someone that makes another trip to the store on Saturday. Right. Or now this next story, Leah, reminds me of Nell Calls. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who is a nutritional weight and wellness employee. And, um, you know, she sh- comes on the radio and shares her stories. Yeah, she's but- got a great story featured on her website. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember Nell talking about going to a big box store, um, you know, maybe to buy nails or, you know, whatever you're going to buy at Menards or something. Right. And while you're there, you know, like Nell would do, she would buy a bag of chocolate-covered peanuts and maybe even eat the whole bag before she got home. And the in checkout lanes, they always have some sort of tempting candy treat. Yeah, and if you have a issue with sugar, you're going to be reaching for that. Yeah. So perhaps you even put a second bag of those M&Ms under the front seat of your car to eat later in case you run out. Right. So that's, you know, those are habits that people that are addicted to sugar can probably relate to. So think to yourself, what are you eating that might be causing an increase in your blood sugar and damaging the nerves in your body? Now, if you have dark patches on your skin, especially around your neck or on your knuckles, that could be a sign of high blood sugar. That's really interesting. Isn't that interesting? I don't I didn't know that before, you know, researching the show right. today. Yeah, so maybe take a look at that to see some I've noticed that with clients too. Sure, so that's an interesting like visual mm-hmm. thing to look for. That's a sign of high blood sugar. Right, right. And we've talked about, you know, sugar as being uh inf- you know, inflammatory for our nerves and and causing a lot of nerve pain. But also we want to kind of run into maybe a little bit before and after break. We want to talk about artificial sweeteners and diet soda in particular and sweeteners like aspartame or sucralose. What they do, because a lot of clients that I work with that have a lot of pain or fibromyalgia, maybe have had a history or now, you know, come to me um, with drinking diet soda. And that's usually Mm -hmm. one of the number one goals for to reduce their pain I look to because it's been shown in a lot of research and studies to be problematic. You know, one in in, an example, um, you know, the aspartame, the common sweetener in diet soda interacts with neurons in your body and heightens your perception of pain. And research shows that eliminating diet soda and anything containing aspartame can reduce and even eliminate your chronic pain. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. And when we come back from break, I'm going to share a little bit more information about that link with artificial sweeteners. Great. Great. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Today, Cara and I are discussing the natural solutions for fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is one of the most common pain conditions And people with fibromyalgia experience pain in ways no one else experiences pain. Do you ache all over your body? Or do you have tender points in certain areas of your body? Or do your muscles twitch uncontrollably? Or do you experience burning or stabbing pain? All of these symptoms and more may be caused 
maybe the cause of your fibromyalgia related pain. So questions for us today in the studio, please call us at 651-641-1071. There are some things we wish for you to do what everyone else can do. Hop in your car, go to work, slip right into a movie seat. Now there's a perk. Buy cute jeans right off the rack. Dance at the next wedding to love shack. Play tag with your kids and hear them say, that was the most awesomest day. Walk your dog, jog, or both just because you can. Comfortably fly coach all the way to Japan. Be there on graduation day, especially if it's yours and you got your MBA. Meet your greatest love and ride off into the sun. This is your life. Go live it. You've only got one. If you think you've tried everything to lose the weight that's keeping you from your best life, think again. Learn the new science of weight loss in the Nutrition for Weight Loss program at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, on-site or online. You can do this. We'll help you. You're not alone. This is a promise, not just a poem. Join us at weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before break, we were talking about the different types of fibromyalgia pain. We know the brain perceives pain, but how does this happen? There are 20 different kinds of nerve endings in our skin that let us know, you know, if something's too hot, too cold, or if it's painful. And the nerve endings send that information to the brain and the spinal cord, or what is referred to as the nervous system. And the National Institutes of Health discovered that people with fibromyalgia have a reduced blood flow to an area in the brain that normally would help us to deal with pain. So, you know, that explains why people with fibromyalgia experience pain differently compared to others. Right. Yeah. You know, and when I'm working with a client with fibromyalgia, you know, I try to increase the blood flow to all parts of the brain. So I recommend that they take at least 4,000 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acid that's like, you know, fish oil, you know, as an example, mm-hmm. as well as two teaspoons of a high quality cod liver oil. The, the cod liver oil that we carry in the office called Omega 3 Care, I really like because it has high level omega 3 in it. Yeah. You know, and some of my clients take upwards of 6,000 milligrams of omega 3 for better pain reduction. And that might sound like a lot to people, you know, that could yes. potentially be even up to six soft gels. Right. But it's the reason that Leo is recommending that is because it's very anti-inflammatory. Yeah, and it usually is one you kind of need to take for at least a couple months to yeah. show the benefits and notice. Good I'm point. Like, you got to stick with this for a little while. It's not a, you know, take it for a week and you're going to notice, but it's a gradual right. support that builds up over time. And possibly in higher doses too. Yeah. You right. know, I, we have clients that might take, you know, one fish oil here and there and yep. say, oh, it's not working. But right. like you said, it's the consistency and the dose. Yep. Because ongoing pain is really such a huge part of fibromyalgia, I'd like to continue our discussion about some supplements that I have found to help clients Great. with fibromyalgia. And, you know, we have talked about this supplement before. It's an amino acid called 5-HTP. Mm-hmm. If you're a science geek, you might want to know <laughs> that that stands for 5-hydroxytryptophan. Yep. And 5-HTP is the building block 
of that powerful brain chemical called serotonin. Kind of our happy, feel-good, calming brain chemical. Right. We want lots of that. We do. (laughs) We want more of that. (laughs) And low levels of serotonin are associated with depression, poor sleep, and it's also thought that low levels of serotonin can play a significant role in fibromyalgia pain. Mm, Interesting. So often, I would recommend that clients take 200 to 400 milligrams of 5-HTP at bedtime. Now, that would be specifically for better sleep and to reduce pain. Yeah, that's a high level. Yeah, It is a Mm -hmm. lot, yeah. However, you know, there's other scenarios where I would have clients take 50 to 100 milligrams of 5-HTP kind of during the day before each meal. Now, how we would use it during the day is really more to reduce sugar cravings. That's interesting. That's a good way of tackling that, too. So we can do it, you know, more all at once at night for sleep Mm -hmm. and pain or smaller amounts throughout the day before meals to reduce sugar cravings. Because we really know if you have sugar cravings, it's super important to get the sugar out of your diet if we want to reduce these fibromyalgia symptoms. Exactly, to help the pain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to inform you that all the supplements that we're talking about and recommending today, they are available. It's very simple to order them. They're on our website, weightandwellness.com. They're also at all of our seven office locations. Right. Yeah. You know, and it is really in your best interest to work with an experienced nutritionist who can help you and guide you to the best solutions for you. From experience, we know that every body is unique and it seems that every client with fibromyalgia needs careful guidance and support. If you are interested in setting up an appointment with me or one of our great other great experienced nutritionists and dietitians, please call the office at 651-699-3438. So back to our topic at hand, before mm-hmm. break, we were talking about the connections between fibromyalgia pain and overall pain, but mm-hmm. fibromyalgia pain and uh, like artificial sweeteners like a diet soda like aspartame. Sure. And you had some more information to share about that. Yeah. Well, I found a really just an interesting case. Um, so there was a 50-year-old woman who suffered from fibromyalgia for more than 10 years. Wow. So 10 years of, you know, chronic pain. And she went on vacation. And I don't know the exact reasons why she did not consume aspartame during the trip yeah, um, because she had previously been drinking these diet sodas with aspartame daily. But during the vacation when she was not drinking her diet soda with aspartame, her symptoms went away. Yeah, And so, of course, after the vacation, when she realized this, she removed aspartame and the diet soda from her from her daily plan and there was a complete regression of her fibromyalgia symptoms that's amazing yeah so i don't know that every story is going to be like that where you stop drinking diet soda and the fibromyalgia pain goes away but you know before break you were talking about why aspartame and artificial sweeteners can lead to more nerve pain exactly exactly and like i said too before break is like if somebody comes to me with pain of any type, you know, the, and they're drinking diet soda or consuming artificial sweeteners, that's our number one focus. 
It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So even though we're talking about getting the sugar out today. Which is also, yeah, that's close number. (laughs) One and a half, maybe two. Exactly. Yes. So we want to get the sugar out, but we don't want to replace like a sugary beverage with a diet drink that has artificial sweeteners. Exactly. So. Exactly. So, you know, if you have fibromyalgia and your fasting glucose number is over 100, it's essential for you to reduce your consumption of processed carbohydrates and high sugar foods in order to decrease the damage to your nerves. So how do you take charge of your out-of-control sugar habits? Hmm, That's a good question. Most people benefit significantly, again, from working with one-on-one with one of our nutritionists or dietitians at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. In addition to pain, most people with fibromyalgia usually experience fatigue. So sugar and caffeine are always a go-to for their next energy boost. Yeah. It can be a really ambitious cycle, you know, someone, maybe they're not sleeping well, right, because of the pain, right, and they, you know, there's a lot more insomnia associated with fibromyalgia, yep, and then they also just, in general, have more fatigue, so it's easy to kind of just grab for that quick fix exactly sugar or caffeine. Because it gives you that quick pick-me-up, and you feel good for a minute. Temporarily, yeah. Yeah. But then you come crashing down and you're in more pain. Exactly. More fatigue, yeah. So most of us, you know, feel like we could probably boost our energy. Right. But what we're saying is that sugar and caffeine are not the answers. Mm -hmm. So if you are struggling, if you have fibromyalgia and you have low energy, we would suggest an amino acid called L-tyrosine. It also you might also see it as acetyl L tyrosine. Yep, and that's a supplement. And you know, I would recommend taking that before breakfast and before lunch. It does give energy. Yes, it does. So you probably don't want to take that one before bed. Yeah, <laughs> it could be stimulating. Yep, acetyl L tyrosine. It's an amino acid that supports the production of our neurotransmitter again, brain chemical. Yep. Um, called dopamine. Dopamine is designed to give us energy, give us more focus, and it's also been found to reduce pain. Interesting. When we have adequate levels of dopamine. So, we really want to support the production of dopamine in our brain. We can also do that by eating protein several times per day. Yes. Right? Cuz the protein would be a building block. Exactly. For for dopamine. Right. Um, But in addition to eating protein several times per day, people could also supplement with that acetyl L-tyrosine. Yep. And that'd be kind of a double whammy. And too, with that, we're also helping with sugar cravings when we're eating that protein throughout the day and supporting our dopamine levels. So Great point. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's break time again. All right. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Here are five foods I encourage my clients with fibromyalgia to give up. Number one is bread. Number two is crackers. Number three is pasta. Number four is pizza. And number five is cereal. The results, less fatigue and less pain. It really seems like a no-brainer for me. Uh, If you have questions for us today, please call us in the studio at 651 641-1071. Welcome back. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. 
as you may have recently heard, we're in the process of developing a nutrition community of like-minded people to support one another on their real food journey. To help everyone with their commitment, here's what we're offering. Five unique 90-minute classes at all seven of our locations in the month of August. That's awesome. And... Leah, the cost for each class is only ten dollars. That's amazing. That's uh, that's a steal. <laughs> that's a really good deal. We give out some great information in our classes. Yes, for ten dollars. Oh, so yeah. the benefit of that is priceless. So call six five one six nine nine three four three eight today to reserve your spot. Some classes actually have filled up, but there are still seats available for other classes. So you can check out the locations and the space availability on our website, which is weightandwellness.com. Great. Well, Car, we have a caller today. Lori, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a, a question or comment about fish oil reaction? Yeah, well, I don't know so much if it's a reaction, but um, when I take the fish oil in the, uh, like I used to take, I think, 2,400 milligrams sure. or whatever the number is, three, three soft gels. And I found that every time I bumped my myself, it seemed like I would tear my skin or and bleed or at the very least bruise. And so is there something else that I can do to get the fish oil benefits? And then when I stopped the fish oil, that stopped. So um, so about at, 20, at 2,400, then that for you was okay. But if you tried to go kind of above that marker, then it would cause more bruising sensitivity. Yeah. No, even at 2,400, I had that. Okay, okay. So, you know, what I would say is um, of a trial, and it's a little bit, so part of part of what I think maybe is causing that in the omega-3 is a lot of more of like the EPA part, of the DHA and EPA make up the omega-3 component. Uh-huh. And, and for people that have a little bit more of that sensitivity, I would still try a little bit of that fish oil, so maybe try... The thousand, so try one of those. Okay. And then I would, you know, for things of what we're talking about today, then maybe I would just try to take straight DHA. Um, DHA, okay. it, you can find from algae base, and it's still very supportive and really good for the brain, really good for our nerves, um, and it doesn't have a lot of that, um, the blood thinning aspects of it, but still good for inflammation. Um, and so we, we, uh, for an example, we carry a product called DHA 200 that's algae-based form um, in our offices. And I sometimes will do that a little bit combination for people that have a more sensitivity. Do you have any other No, I think that's great, Leah. Yeah. I, I think that's perfect advice. Right. Are you on perfect. a blood thinner? Are you, are you? No. Okay. No, I think I'm just one of those really super lucky ones. That- <laughs> yeah, you're so more sensitive. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I would still do, and too, in the diet, that's another thing to talk about is, you know, as much as you can in the diet, eating fatty fish, like salmon, um, if you, if you can go there, the sardines, <laughs> a little bit of tuna, okay. that's really good omega-3 fats there too. So I always suggest for people that are more sensitive to supplements, get a lot of that, you know, four ounces, at least once or twice a week of that, um, would be good too. So, okay. All right. Thank Very you. Good. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right. Thanks. All right. So I, let's see, before break, when we were, I was talking briefly about an amino acid. 
yes. called acetyl L-tyrosine. Just right. kind of wrapping that conversation yep. up, and that's um, that's going to give our bodies more dopamine, right? Which is that chemical that gives energy, focus. And has been found to reduce pain. Yep, so. exactly. Yeah. And so, too, going on a little bit more, other things that are supportive, you know, people with fibromyalgia often experience fatigue very differently than those who don't have fibromyalgia. A normal person recovers from a long work day with a good night's sleep, right? You just sleep right. it off and then you feel better. Eight hours, you yeah. know, feel wake up feeling pretty good. Right. But a person with fibromyalgia does not recover You know, I have found a supplement called D-Ribose to be an excellent rescue remedy to help my fibromyalgia clients who have a tendency to overdo just about everything. You know who you are. You know, you're (laughs) feeling just a little bit better. So you decide you're going to go wash all the windows in the house, (laughs) but it's just too much. And your body is exhausted and you are in pain and you have brain fog. So taking one scoop of D-ribose three times a day in a cup of green tea would help to support your body's production of ATP, which is our basically is the molecule that carries energy to our cells. And as a result, you feel better. At Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we carry a product called Corvalin, which is an energy-producing D-ribose. You know, my clients find taking two to three scoops of Corvalin D-ribose helps fight fatigue because it supports cellular Mm -hmm. energy production. Yes, that's another excellent suggestion. Right. In my holistic health training when I was getting my master's, I also learned that people with fibromyalgia do best when they can pace themselves. Yes, that's important. (laughs) You were just talking about like the tendency to overdo. Like if you're kind of on the upswing and you feel like, oh, I have a good amount of energy today. It might be tempting to try to tackle everything that you had to put on hold when you were fatigued. Exactly. Yeah. And I can totally understand how people would have a tendency to do that. Right. Um, With fibromyalgia, people really need to learn how to rest both mentally and physically. Yeah, I often will for clients that because it is hard when you feel like there's so much that you're not getting done when you're not feeling well. Yeah. And then you have this burst of like, oh, I am feeling better. Uh I I actually as their um, and their checkoff list of their next steps. I always kind of have to. okay, so this is what the limits are on your to do list. So you can buffer and you can continue to feel well. We just want to keep right. everything stable. That's with such a great point. Like if you want to continue on that upswing with yes. feeling more, having more clarity, more energy and focus and less pain, it really does. You know, you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons yep. of getting all that stuff done yeah. <laughs> that you haven't ex- been able to do when you're starting to feel better. Yeah. But you got to be careful. And even with exercise, yes, you know, that's another thing. Exercise can be helpful with fibromyalgia, but it really needs to be a more gentle exercise. Exactly. Um, walking, something low impact, yoga, mm-hmm. something with stretching. Yes. And not like super intense, high cardio or, yeah. you know, a lot of heavy weight training, that type of thing. Exactly. Yep. So let's talk a little bit more about rest and the more importantly, sleep. You know, I encourage people with fibromyalgia 
to sleep at least nine hours most nights. If you have not had a sleep study, I highly recommend that you make an appointment to have one. If you have sleep apnea, your breathing is intermittent while you're sleeping. Alternatively, between stopping and beginning again, because your brain actually forgets to initiate breathing. And the lack of oxygen causing more damage to your nerves and your brain, resulting in more pain. I also recommend an afternoon nap for everyone. No, <laughs> but afternoon nap for more nerve healing. I think a short nap gives amazing results for overcoming pain yes. and fatigue. Again, yes. it's that pacing. Exactly. Allow for rest. People kind of feel guilty yeah. when they're like, well, you know, I really feel like I could take a nap, but you know, it's just, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. That makes I'm lazy. I'm like, yeah. no, this is something your body is telling you to do. Yeah. It doesn't have to be for two hours, even mm-hmm. for 15, 20 minutes could be a great way for your body to just reset. Yeah, so restorative. It is. Really, even really. just a quick nap in the middle of the day. Yep. And people with fibromyalgia seem to do best when they have a set schedule, especially a set time to sleep and a set time to get up, even on the weekends. Exactly. And that can be hard on the weekends, but right, because you tend to stay up later that. and sleep in. Yep. Sometimes. Six to 10 is a good window, so maybe seven to 11, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, but keeping within that, I think it, it, for that rhythm, that circadian rhythm is... 10 to 6? 10 to 6, okay. or 6 six to 10, like 6 a.m. wake up. 10, got it, got it. 10 yes, p.m. 10, okay. bedtime yep. is probably one of the best set points for a lot of people, but you, know, you could still get away with maybe 7 a.m. wake up and 11 p.m. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Yes. So sticking to a set schedule and also, you know... Avoiding Facebook, texting, any type of media after 7 p.m. really is going to be best because that gives you time to wind down and that allows for more healing time for those nerves. Right. So you might have to just pay a little bit more attention to the clock. We tend to be creatures of habit and our, our bodies really like things to happen on a routine basis. And so I often ask myself, why do people fight this powerful healing habit of following a set schedule? Because following a set schedule really means that we're putting ourselves first. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not hanging out with those TV friends who keep us up late at night. Exactly. But we're taking care of ourselves. And with that, too, like with those electronics, like the TV and the computers and our phones, that type of electronic light, that blue light that's emitted, shuts down our really important sleep hormone, melatonin, for two hours. Oh, I remember when we had that show on sleep. Yes, yes. And that statistic came up. It's so interesting. So I honestly practice this myself of two hours before bed. I do not look at electronics. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I need to, there are some buffering devices you can use to do so, but... It's really helpful. I can tell like my sleep transition is a lot better when I don't look at TV, computer, phone, mm-hmm. tablets. It's- a lot of people go straight from the TV, the computer or their phone right into bed. Oh, I know. Or they're looking or- at their phone as they're getting ready to go to sleep. and yep. Or they have their TV on the, the sleep setting, so they fall asleep to their TV yeah. in their rooms. 
Really yeah. best. I mean, if you can't fathom the idea of two hours of no screen, you know, even one hour. Yes. Shutting it off one hour before bed is going to be helpful. Yes. So it's break time. All right. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. We understand fibromyalgia is a very complicated health condition, and the natural solutions to pain and fatigue seem to work best for most clients if you have a friend or a family member with fibromyalgia. We encourage you to share this podcast with them. Maybe just getting rid of processed carbs and sugar in their diet may be life-changing. Simple tips with amazing results. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Nutrition. I'm Cara Harper here with Leah Wetzel today in the studio. Next week, Leah's going to be back with Shelby. (laughs) They're going to be discussing PMS, premenstrual syndrome, and what you can do nutritionally to reduce those cramps, mood swings, and fatigue. Now, for today, if you have questions about fibromyalgia, which is our topic, call. you can call our office and actually you can set up an appointment with one of our nutritionists or dietitians and, you know, they would be happy to answer your questions. Right. So the office number is 651-699-3438 and you can talk to the front desk staff if you're interested in setting up an appointment they can describe that process as well that's great yeah it's such a unique for everybody you know with fibromyalgia no one's the same so it's right that individuality that you get in that a one-on-one appointment can be very helpful yes yeah life-changing definitely so we had a caller who didn't want to be on the air and she had a question about a diet with no flour and sugar You know, I'm assuming, too, in relation to our topic today of pain and fibromyalgia uh, and what our thoughts were on that type of diet. And, you know, we both, you know, our answer to that right away was like, yes, that sounds we like that (laughs) really good idea. You know, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about all the foods that are high sugar you know, those processed carbohydrates. I was talking, you know, the pastas, the pizzas, mm-hmm. the breads, cereals, cereals, yes, bagels, muffins, of, chips. Yeah, all of which have a lot of times high sugar and have flours in mm-hmm. them as well, uh, which can make it, you know, high sugar food. Sure. So I definitely think that that would be a worth an investigation to reduce those and then incorporate it in, you know, alternatively, you're pulling those out, but you want to add in, you know, really nourishing, you know, carbohydrates of fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. um, and, you know, maybe some healthy, you know, whole food starches. You know, I love sure. different vegetables. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of, yeah, carbo, like starchy carbohydrates yes. that are not flour based. Right. I mean, people sometimes forget that sweet potatoes, yeah. carrots, yeah. parsnips. Are great sources. Yeah. Yeah. So making sure, I mean, that you have carbohydrates, you know, and healthy mm-hmm. meats and fats and balance, uh, which are all anti inflammatory and keeping mm-hmm. that blood sugar stable um, to be very, very helpful for reducing that pain. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I think if somebody has fibromyalgia or even is just struggling with a lot of pain in general, yes, that go trying a, a meal plan that consists of no sugar and no flour. Yes. is only going to benefit them and reduce pain and inflammation. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yep. 
So back to our topic at hand. Before break, we were talking about sleep and the importance of sleep and um, making sure of of allowing for that time. We said for fibromyalgia, you know, ideally at least nine hours of sleep. And we, before break, we're talking about the importance of not looking at those electronics before mm-hmm. bed because they're stimulating and then they, you know, we stay up too late watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when we look at... And when we're thinking about sleep and and troubles around getting good qualities of sleep, so what do you do if you have troubles getting to sleep and you can't get that nine hours of sleep most nights? Some of my fibromyalgia clients are exhausted but wired, like they can't sleep, <laughs> or they're hypervigilant, yeah. or they are hardwired worriers. You know, if you are one of those I just mentioned, you may be thinking, yes, that's me. How can I get to sleep? <laughs> like, I want to sleep, yeah, but I can't. But I can't. That's very right. frustrating. Can't fall asleep or they wake up and their mind starts racing. Yeah. As a start point, if you can't get to sleep, melatonin is our body's sleep hormone. And without it, we can't sleep. Melatonin is produced in the brain by the penile gland. And some studies have found that melatonin production may be impaired by fibromyalgia. That's really Hmm. interesting. And we, you know, switch melatonin off in the morning with the lights and on at night with the darkness. That's how it should work. Definitely. However, sometimes we just don't have enough melatonin. We're not producing enough in that pineal gland to sleep. So we would suggest taking... Anywhere between, I mean, you could start as low as one milligram, but often it's a little bit more beneficial to take more like two or three milligrams all the way up to 10 milligrams of melatonin and take that about 30 minutes before bedtime to help you fall asleep. Yep. Yep. And I would say maybe as your start point, if you're not actively taking melatonin, you start with the lower end. And you can Mm -hmm. increase that and, you know, you can always increase slowly if you need. Yep. Yeah, so maybe look for one. I mean, for example, we have one in our office, I believe, that is a one milligram. Yeah. So maybe you get something like that and you can experiment with one. And then if that's not enough, two and then a three and keep kind of going up. Yeah. Uh, the one that I was referring to is actually called sublingual melatonin. Mm-hmm. And that one is very absorbable. You put it under your tongue and you let it dissolve goes right into the bloodstream so you don't have to wait for your digestive system to break it down. Right. And it's also really important to keep your room dark, very dark, pitch black, and keep it a little bit cooler. Yeah, they say the ideal sleeping temperature is 65. I thought, yeah, I think I have read that too, which is a little bit lower than what you would think, what some people's houses are set at. So, and did you know that we have sleep waves So if you fall asleep in front of the TV around 7 (laughs) p.m., unfortunately, that's going to be your first sleep wave and it's not going to be sound sleep. So perhaps it's time for you to just go to bed a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. and remember that your sleep wave comes every 90 minutes. So you really want to just kind of be mindful of that. Yeah. (laughs) Getting to bed early enough um, so you can get enough of those sleep waves to feel rested in the morning. Exactly, yeah. So what about the health of your nerves? The one nutrient that recent research has found to be lacking in the diets of most people and which may be the cause of much of the uh, nervous illness 
um, is magnesium. It is not surprising that when a person's magnesium level is less than normal, the nerves are unable to control muscle movement and men- and you know respiration and mental process and consequently twitching, irregular heartbeats, irritability, nervous fatigue, and restless leg syndrome will often occur. And remember, we said earlier that fibromyalgia is a nervous system problem. A lack of magnesium can cause the nervous system problem like fibromyalgia. And we recommend that our clients start taking around 400 milligrams of magnesium glycinate at bedtime. Some of my clients need upwards of 1,000 milligrams of magnesium glycinate daily to replenish their magnesium deficiencies. If you have fibromyalgia... Are you taking at least 400 milligrams of magnesium glycinate daily? And one thing about magnesium, Leah, that I think people struggle with is because it's such a large mineral, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 400 milligrams is typically going to be four tablets or four capsules. Yes. And so I have had clients in the past that would take maybe like one. Yep. And because they don't want to swallow all those pills. So, but... It is important, like you said, 400 up to 1,000 milligrams. Yes. To um, So you can notice a difference yeah. with that. And start with a 400 and be consistent with that. And you can slowly add maybe one at a time. You know, if, if you feel like you're needing more, I mean, give it at least a couple weeks trial yeah. with each dosage. And your body will tell you, you know, where the limits are. You know, you'll maybe a little, a little stool if it's too much. But magnesium glycinate is pretty absorbable. Mm-hmm. So it's less of an issue with with bowels. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It is important to get that glycinate form. Yes. Um, because there are other forms like oxide yep. and things that are cheaper right. that are just going to kind of pass right through your body. Yeah. And I would say, too, with that, you know, if somebody has a hard time with the tablet form of magnesium glycinate, you can mm-hmm. also now we have the capsule version, the Meg seventy five, and at so, our office, yes. Yeah, so it's sometimes for people, it may be a little easier for them to swallow those. We capsules. have noticed that the people that uh, had a difficult time with the tablets use the capsules. Yeah. Well, our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It's a simple yet powerful message: eating real food is life-changing. I want to thank everybody today for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.